My name is Tony Litt. I'm the MD of Sunrise Radio, and it's my immense pleasure to bring you the official Sunrise Radio podcast. We are the number one commercial Asian station in the United Kingdom, with many firsts to our name, and we continue to be the voice of British Asians who have given us their love and loyalty over 30 years. It's a legacy we cherish and a responsibility that we don't take lightly. Our aim has always been to entertain the listeners with the best of Bollywood and Bangra while also addressing their concerns. A real voice for the community, a vibrant community and a great nation. We are proud to be British and Asian. This podcast is a compilation of some of the things we do on the station with a stellar lineup of presenters who each have their own personality and style. It's entertaining, informative, engaging, and we hope you will enjoy it here as a podcast if you are unable to tune in to the radio. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your family and friends about this podcast and do leave us a comment on what you think. We'd love to hear from you. All the best always. Team Sunrise. Hey, my name is Shabnam Sahi. Welcome to the official Sunrise Radio podcast. I'm on your radio weekdays from 9am to 12 noon. If you've heard the show, you know what to expect from it. But here are some exciting, interesting Bollywood stories that you may have missed this time round served up as part of our official Sunrise Radio podcast. Enjoy. Bollywood fans are a lot more clued in about South Indian films and South Indian film stars than we were a decade ago because of this major overlap in content thanks to a zillion remix also because films like Bahubali they got so much attention from film fans across the board that Bollywood had to sit up and take notice while rich tributes have been pouring in for veteran Tamil actor and comedian Vivek who passed away recently at the age of 59 we've also been given an update on a South remake. Kiara Advani, the lovely Kiara Advani, she has been picked to star opposite Ranveer Singh in the remake of Anyan. Three movie-making powerhouses, each from a different department. Shankar as director, Ranveer Singh as actor, Jayanti Lalgada as producer. They hope to remake this Tamil blockbuster on a grand scale to be able to treat fans to a visual spectacle, which is just what the doctor ordered. Right? Fans of Sanjay Leela Bansali's brand of cinema, those grand sets, those sweeping vistas, ornate jewels, larger-than-life personalities engaged in a battle of some sort. Well, this master filmmaker's attempt to show love between two people separated by a wide age gap, his film titled Inshallah, with Salman Khan and Alia Bhatt in the lead, that didn't quite work out. It was scrapped weeks after the grand announcement because it seemed like an idea too far removed from what audiences would find acceptable. I mean, given the 30-year age gap between Alia and Salman, that would have been weird, right? We now hear that Inshallah could be revived with Alia still in the picture, yes, but Hrithik Roshan taking Salman Khan's place. It is still going to be a love story with a difference about protagonists who have numerous battles ahead of them, age being just one of them. But Sanjay Leela Bansali apparently feels Alia and Hrithik could make it work. They could make it look more realistic and utterly riveting. Well, given his track record, I think we'll give it a shot, right? 
Anubam Kher, celebrating 40 years of being in films, he was also on the jury and this jury was for BAFTA Breakthrough India Initiative, the BAFTA Breakthrough India Initiative, which selected 10 winners from television, films and sport to nurture, to encourage, to support as future role models. You know, they gave them the BAFTA platform, the financial support and a creative nudge for these 10 winners to be able to fulfill their potential. Now, in this context, Anupam Kher recently shared his thoughts on what kept him invested in Bollywood in the last 40 years. He says, I see myself in young people. No one needs to go through what I went through, sleeping at railway stations, not being able to pay my bills, being ridiculed for wanting to be an actor when I had no hair, even as a young man. But I was a gold medalist at drama school and I believed in my dreams. Now, hard work you There's no substitute for it. But you know what? Keep learning, keep going, Keep believing in yourself. Model, activist, actress and yogini after a near-death experience following an accident in 1999 which sent her into a coma for a very long time. The overnight sensation from Mahesh Bhatt's phenomenally successful film Ashiki. Who am I talking about? Actress Anu Agarwal. She has just launched an audiobook. And looking back on her hugely successful, often very difficult journey, Anu Agarwal says Ashiki took her from relative anonymity to overnight sensation at a time when she wasn't prepared for that degree of success. Films like Khalnaika, King Uncle, Janam Kundali followed. Anu Agarwal got very lucrative offers from South India, even from Hollywood. But with cliched and extremely unimaginative roles. That's what she says. Now, what followed after that near-death experience in 1999 led to Anu Agarwal's memoir, which is titled Unusual, not spelt with a U but with an A because her name is A-N-U. Unusual memoir of the girl who came back from the dead. The audio version of which she launched recently. Anu Agarwal says, you know, the kind of attention, the kind of love that I got from people was overwhelming after Ashiki. I was all by myself in Mumbai. My parents used to live in Delhi. When I'd go out for a swim, when I'd go out to dinner, fans would come and take my autograph. They would stand outside my house to get a glimpse of me. I was not at all prepared for this degree of stardom. I didn't know how to deal with it. I'd never dreamt of being an actor. I was a social worker. My dream was to work with the United Nations and I wanted to work uh, for those dwelling in the slums in Mumbai. That was my main focus. But looking back, I don't want to sound ungrateful. She says, because if films was what I wanted to do, I could have had any title for the asking. That was the kind of name and fame Ashiki gave me. Hollywood came calling. South India wanted me in their films, but I was very selective and I willingly walked away from that life because that was not what I wanted at that point. But looking back, I don't want to sound ungrateful. The Ashiki experience, what do I feel about it? Nothing but gratitude. Producer-director Vipul Shah busy shooting Sanak right now with Vidyut Jamwal, Neha Dhupia, Bengali actress Rukmini Maitra and Chandan Roy Sanyal in the lead. He took a moment yesterday to flag up 16 years of his first film as producer. He directed it as well. It was titled Vakt, A Race Against Time. Amitabh Bachchan and Akshay Kumar as father and son, they really struck an impressive equation to wow their fans with Priyanka Chopra, Shifali Shah, Rajpal Yadav and Burma Nirani in 
supporting roles. Now, looking back on Vakt, Bipul Shah, he feels nothing but gratitude for Amitabh Bachchan and Akshay Kumar. He says, I had discussed the idea when I had when I was still directing Aakhe. I told Amit ji and I told Akshay that, you know, Atish Kapadia had written this story, which I was very keen to direct. Both Amit sir and Akshay, were, they loved their story and they were very keen to come on board. When I finally informed Amit ji and Akshay about me turning producer with this film, both of them were willing to wave off their fee for me. But me and my partner on the film, Mr. Manmohan Shetty, we did not agree to it. We paid them their full amount. But the fact that such big superstars were willing to stand by me only because I was marking my debut as a producer, that means a lot to me. I think this is 100% true of all friendships and professional relationships. Those who stand by you in hard times. Those who help you when they have nothing to gain from it. Those who mean what they say and say what they mean. These are the Kohinoors we must cherish and value and love and respect because aaj ki tarikh mein loyalty and integrity extremely hard to come by Aishman Khurana's Bollywood debut Vicky Donner is 9 years old and the actor couldn't be more grateful for the things he's been blessed with in course of the last 9 years not one to sit back and take it easy Aishman Khurana has been so proactive in a way that he's gone after the stories that really sparked his interest his intellect knowing and respecting what his fans expect from an Aishman Khurana film he says if i look back now it seems like yesterday are the year 2012 and now 2021 coincidentally they are the same numbers jumbled up he says with i had perpetual butterflies in my stomach i remember i shot for this film playing cricket or football with shujit da the director shujit sarkar post pack up every single day then he says uh, thank you shujit ja for being a great mentor thank you juhi for coming up with this benchmark of a script juhi chaturvedi and altering the course of hindi cinema thank you roni da for being the coolest producer thank you big bro john abraham for backing this gem john was one of the producers as well i owe it to you guys thank you yami anuji dolly ji veera negi ji and the entire team thank you universe he says for realizing my big bollywood dream there was a loud buzz recently around shahid kapoor and director shashank khetan joining forces on a historical drama titled yodha the warrior bollywood insiders were not too sure about this collaboration only because not much was known about it other than the title Director Shashank Khetan has officially issued a statement now saying Yodha is very much on. Details to be announced as soon as the pandemic is a bit more under control. Rumors that suggest Yodha has been shelved simply untrue. If you loved Idris Elba in the globally acclaimed British TV series Luther, you may be interested to know that Ajay Devgan is making his OTT debut very soon in the remake of Luther. Now the official announcement is expected to follow very soon and fans of Ajay Devgan's moody, broody, gritty persona, the very opposite of a quintessential Bollywood chocolate hero. They feel that Luther is just the right fit for Ajay's talent and for his temperament. You know, if this is well made, this could be massive. Ah, Mr. Devgan, welcome to digital. Kitna wait karaya apne hame ha? Bollywood superstar Ranveer Singh has shaped up to be a cultural phenomena. A great performer, a bona fide fashion icon, 
I know. The face of Indian hip hop and entrepreneur, the Mr. Bhavanani to Deepika's Mrs. Living the Dream, right? Of course he is. In a recent interview, Ranveer Singh confessed, I was willing to take that leap of faith at the start of my career. When there wasn't a good lead in sight for long periods, the phone wouldn't ring for months and months, my faith was challenged. But you know what? I debunked the idea that what I was trying to achieve was impossible. I almost forced the universe into making it happen for me. My single-mindedness and my determination eventually paid off and my dream became my reality. He says, when young actors, especially outsiders, come up to me today and seek my advice on how to navigate their hustle, the first and most important thing I tell them is, look, do it for the right reasons. Do it simply because you love performing. I urge them to not be lured towards the performing arts or the entertainment business because success in this field also comes with fame and money. Those are transient. They are just frills. They are trappings. Another thing I learned along the way is that authenticity has the most resonance. If you're trying to be someone you're not, you're doing yourself a disservice. If you stay true to who you are, if you lose the fear of being judged, only then will you vibrate at a high frequency. You do you, I tell these people. Be original, be your unique self. And last but not least, he says, I keep telling them, no matter where you are in your career, keep taking risks, creative risks. The bigger the risk, the bigger the reward. Now let's talk about this young lady. She's a star kid, no doubt. And she's hoping to make great strides in the literary world. But coming from a place of privilege, with famous parents in the equation, that poses its own set of challenges. This is 17-year-old Zuni Chopra. Do you know who she is? Zuni Chopra, she wishes to write her first book very soon. But having... Bollywood producer-director Vidhu Vinod Chopra as dad and Bollywood writer-journalist Anupama Chopra as mum, it has only meant that one, my own identity gets a little hazy, she says, because no one introduces me without mentioning my famous parents in the same breath. It is lovely, of course. I'm proud to be their daughter, but sometimes it can get a bit annoying, yeah? She doesn't say it, but that's what she means. And two, she says, I feel compelled to do better than the benchmark that's been set for me. And hence, a profession that should bring me joy and fulfillment. It becomes stressful. It becomes a cause for much anxiety. Why? Because the world is constantly making comparisons. If I'm a filmmaker, I'm not going to be a dad. If I'm a writer, I'm going to be a journalist. These things really, really get to you, especially when you're 17. She says, please believe me when we say being a star kid, not a bed of roses at all. It's more challenging than you know. I do feel quite strongly about the controversy that arose after Sanya Malhotra's latest film, Paglet, began streaming on Netflix recently. It became evident very soon that the film was heavily influenced by another film starring some of Bollywood's biggest thespians, Ram Prasad Kitervi. In fact, Paglet was shot in the same house that Ram Prasad Kitervi was shot in. Naturally, the seniors were a bit upset and no one from Team Paglet made an official statement to refute these charges. Mercifully, we shall now have the chance to play judge and jury when Ram Prasad begins streaming on Netflix from the 24th of April. It stars Nasiruddin Shah, Supriya Pathak, Konkona Sen Sharma, Parambrata Chatterjee, Vikrant Masi, Vinay Pathak, Manoj Pava, Ninad Kamath and many others. And it tells the story of a fragmented, fractured family that gathers under one roof to mark the 13th day, the Tervi, of the head of the family, Ram Prasad's demise. Critics are calling it 
a master class in method acting. मैंने तो डिसाइड किया था कि I'm going to watch this first. उसके बाद टाइम मिला तो पगलेट देखूंगी. You can catch Shabnam Sahi, the ultimate storyteller, weekdays 9 a.m. to 12 noon. gives me great pleasure to welcome Nikita Gandhi on Sunrise Radio as part of the 36 hour marathon Nikita how are you doing I'm at Sachin Jigar studio right now because we've been oh, doing some sessions so I just taking a little break and minutes <laughs> to speak to you in between the sessions awesome so what's been happening tell me what 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 are you guys cooking up in the studio um so i'm part of this uh this indian like this tv show called ipml which yeah, is uh, just yeah. kind of happened. yeah so um i came for a recording for that and then they kind of told me like we want to dip up something else as well so i'm here uh and i don't know what i'm going to do next but i was here for that so Nice. Like yeah, some film stuff, some TV stuff. Nice, nice. And look at that. Let's get to know a little bit about you because I, I feel like we don't know enough about you. We know your songs, we know your music, but let's talk about Nikita Gandhi. Tell us a little bit about how you got into singing. So I'm. I actually did. This was not part of the the grand plan. I was doing my dentistry in uh, oh, wow. in Chennai and. Uh, yeah, I, I thought I was gonna be like a dentist, and then I would do my masters, probably be where you are right now, or in the US or whatever. You know, the the, the quintessential brainy Indian child, you know, just <laughs> yeah. doing doing the doctor thing. And um, <laughs> but like ha- while I was in dental school, I started working with ARM Answer on like little, little projects. Mm-hmm. Like um, it started off as these random auditions that I had done. uh you know for the choir and stuff and then he started calling me for film projects and then one thing led to another and i sang my first tamil song in a big film called i and then and i sang go aniru then i started singing a lot in the south uh tamil telugu kannada and uh, then rapta was my first bollywood song and that was just after i finished college uh-huh. so um i guess there was no looking back then i realized that uh, i i got my degree in dentistry but i'm clearly not doing that <laughs> for uh-huh. a living So you actually wanted to become a dentist, but here you are singing, singing your heart it's out. It's bizarre. I mean, I feel like it's like the universe heard my heart's desire more than my mind's because, yeah, like, I yeah. wanted to. I always loved music. I think somewhere deep down, I always wanted to do it, and mm, and I mm. I think I kept doing it out of passion and not as a career choice. And yeah, that passion yeah. sort of took over, and I love that, and I'm so grateful to I think anybody who was instrumental in making that happen, that transition. How did your family take to to you singing? So like from they were very happy actually because I I was they are very supportive. They are very musical also, and mm-hmm. they they both dentists themselves, and so it seems like a very peer pressure choice, but it was actually something that I wanted to do dentistry and. Yeah. Um, But they, when I, they were so thrilled when I sang my first Tamil song, and I was still in college then. And yeah. uh, I don't think they ever, you know, like sort of swayed me in any direction because um, I was always very like grounded and level-headed. So, mm-hmm. so you know, they 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 didn't wouldn't think that I would drop out of college and do something you know crazy like that. So yeah. So they let me be me, and I. I did. I did the the doctor thing, and I finished it, and then I continued with music. So they were more than supportive. Let's talk about Rapta. Like that song, of course. Like it's amazing. When you found out that like it was being done for this movie, so how how were you feeling at the time? Were you just like, this is like my first 
it was your first Hindi song, right? It was my first. Yeah. So how did you feel about that? I mean, picturized on Deepika, you know, part of a, a, a great team. Um, it was unbelievable. I never thought I would end up like I didn't even. I wasn't expecting anything, you know. Even when I recorded that song, there yeah. were no expectations in my mind. I just sang it with the thought in my head that no, they're just trying out my voice. Like for sure, it's going to go to some very established singer in the industry because it's such a big song and. And it came out in my voice, and it was unbelievable because, and I owe so much to Pritam Da for that because he sort of broke my eyes into into the Bollywood industry and the, the Hindi film industry, and there was no looking back because of that. So I owe so much to him, to the film's director, to Madoff Films, and everybody who you know let because it's 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 also a very business call, right? When when you mm. When you release a song, you want a known singer on it because you know that they already have fans and followers, and yeah, all of it. so it's, yeah. all, it's it's many things. It's not always just the voice, but I think mm-hmm. they took a voice decision, and that was so heartwarming for me to be part of yeah. a decision like that and release. Sing us a few lines. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, I, there's a guitar next to me, but it's oh nice, uh, untuned, and there's even a missing string here. <laughs> but I'm still <laughs> just gonna play it a little bit just so that. Um, you know just for the vibe <laughs> yeah go for it mere paani jaate jaate mujh pe pad gaya uzarta sa tum hai ek daman kar gaya tera nazara mila American Western kind of like I feel like your voice you can adapt. Even when I was watching your uh, performances on this uh, Indian Pro Music League, I was like, yeah. this girl needs to go to like the USA and just like oh my god, <laughs> you sing your heart out. It's unbelievable. Like That's your so uh, your power in your voice is incredible. It's really really beautiful. It is. Thank it really you. is. So tell us how how's the experience on um, Indian Pro Music League? It's it's been fun. I was very nervous in the beginning because I've never done TV and I've never done a reality show, and it's a little different this show because it's got all like pro singers and playback mm. singers and sort of representing different states, and we're all kind of competing for our states, you know. So it's mm-hmm. it's a new format. So I guess um, I may as well break my TV eyes with a new concept and. I'm so happy mm. to be on board. It's so amazing to sing alongside Shan and people like amazing. you know, I've grown up listening to. I yeah. mean, these are our childhood heroes and our childhood exactly. pop stars. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. And uh, to be sharing the stage with him, to be friends with him, it's just amazing. And uh, I'm I'm so excited for all these new experiences. You mentioned um, the whole Western influence, and that's been a big part of I think. 
me as a listener of music i've always listened to a lot of r&b soul mm. pop and recently i got to collaborate with a very big r&b artist uh, from the us called pink sweats who's just mm. i think he's just become this huge thing and um, it was such a big moment for me because it it was literally was my first international collaboration and i, I can't wait to do more like this actually because i think that's my sweet spot like doing like a very neo soul r&b Yeah, I mean, I was listening to that, and it. Well, I was just, and I think if any, like, for somebody who doesn't watch the visually what you guys did, and somebody just heard your voice, like nobody would have thought that you're from India. Nobody would have thought that. Like, somebody would have just automatically just thought, okay, like she's Western, you know, American uh, singer. But I was just like really blown away when I when I heard that. I was like. You know, I think, and I don't know what it is about your voice, but I feel that every time I listen to your songs, like any new song that you come out with, I'm like, okay, this girl is doing this. Now she's doing this, and she's going like ten notches higher every time. So I'm like, okay, what so next? <laughs> so you're it's really, sweet. really you're, you're just really sweet. <laughs> Honestly, and I'm not just saying that. I promise you, because we play your songs all the time on the station, all wow. the time. Yeah, we do, and it's like it's it's lovely. It's lovely because you mentioned that Sean and all the singers on uh, IPML. They're like people that you've grown up listening to, but now you have become somebody like that as well. Like the younger generation are now going to talk about you in a few years, saying, "Look, we grew up listening to Nikita Gandhi songs." Uh, so I think that's really that's really lovely. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, sure. it's lovely. It's lovely. Now we touched upon reality shows, so. What what are your views on uh, on these singing reality shows? I know you know, bar the fact that you're part of one, but there's so many. Whether it's singing, whether it's dancing, whether it's like cooking or whatever. But what is your take on these Indian reality shows? Because I think in between there was a bit of like uh, not controversy, but there was like a conversation surrounding them, saying that you know they're like they're too emotional. They do it for TRPs only. But then at the same time, do you feel that they find so much talent they do and it's it's actually quite um, sometimes I, i if i ever end up you know flipping through a show like that and seeing these new kids sing yeah. and it's actually quite like oh my god what are we even doing look at them <laughs> you know like yeah. and it's um it's i think it's only part of tv to have that extra spice and that drama mm. they're only really mm. doing it to entertain because there is an entertainment portion of tv mm, of television when that's a producer's call you cannot really like sensationalization is you know part of tv so you mm. i mean we have to also look at what what the crux of it all is and i think mm. uh hats off to them hat and it's it's been um you know these platforms have been the reason why so many singers have made their career because not everybody has a strange story like mine you know yeah. <laughs> so um so a lot of singers have found their voice in the mm. and their fans and their audience because of these mm. shows so we mm. cannot deny that at any point that is the mm. reality and we can't take that away from you know these reality shows Yeah. Now, uh, an- another uh, topic of conversation, and I think it's ongoing in our music industry, is you know old songs being revamped. And I know you're you're part of, part of them as well. What do you feel about them? I have a, I think a similar. It's the same thing. It's a very. I mean, I don't want to sound boring about it, but it's a very demand and supply sort of thing. I think mm-hmm. people 
especially the Indian audiences, and I'm not talking about Indians everywhere, but Indians in India. Mm-hmm. I think we like listening to things that we already have heard before. Mm-hmm. Like, and I and I and I said this in another interview recently because I get asked this like literally all the time, and I have yeah. been part of the. I sang the remake of Rath Baki. Um, and many such even rapta technically was a new version of a new of an of a yeah. new song exactly and, uh, yeah yeah so it, it's there's a reason why people are making it and the reason is as simple as because people actually like i mean it's just algorithmic at the end of the mm-hmm. day at least for the why the labels do it you know mm-hmm. and it's so funny because audiences you know i keep seeing comments on youtube where people are like are yeah you keep making remakes this that yeah. but it's the yeah. same people who are watching these videos and they are and there's a relatability portion because they want to hear something they've heard before and this goes mm-hmm. to our live performances as well when we perform on stage if i go as nikita gandhi and i perform only my song and then i sing my originals and i do a show mm-hmm. like that people won't call me like people the client or whoever mm-hmm. is booking me might not enjoy the show mm-hmm. because at the end of the day they want those same you know party songs and those same songs yeah. that they can sing to and dance to but that's the reality Correct. and that's a big reality in our country that is i have i've not seen that in the us like in the us when you go to like you you go to like a john mayer concert you're watching john mm-hmm. mayer to listen to his songs Songs, yeah. Even yeah. if he sings a new original, you're not going to be like, "Oh, why are you singing like an unknown song?" Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and that's the reality that our country is in right now. And mm-hmm. I think coming out of that bubble is going to take some time. So, till then, we we can't be responsible for remakes and complain about them. Is my point? It's true. Very true. Very true. And it's weird because as much as we like, oh, you first do Woi Wala Gana, first do remake again, but like even I find myself saying this on the show as well, like. I I end up liking some of the songs. Um so it's like it's like a revamp for like the newer generation or whatever. So it's like a bit more like it's a bit more hyped it's it's got a party vibe to it or something. So it sounds yeah. a little bit refreshing but like you said we can't complain about it can we because I think this is like a a phase that the industry is going through. Um Now talking of one such song is Burj Khalifa like we have when this song came out I'm going to be really honest with you I was just like what is this song I can't believe it like you know Burj Khalifa and again like we've end up it's it's become such a big thing on the show with this song like we just end up playing it it's like a dance number you enjoy it and like we like it like we like it so um I think But for you to sing this song today, I think my listeners would be really, really happy. Oh yeah, or to my manadi, just to my banadi. Love to jealous kar diya hai, daily janadi. Mere husne de char 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 char, mere husne de char 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 char. London to America, undeya dilate manu burj Khalifa. Amazing, amazing, Nikita. And just, just before I let you go, is there anything that you can tell us about your new songs that are coming out? Uh, I know, of course, you're in the studio with such a jiggle at the moment. Um, but anything else that you can reveal to us about your new music? Yeah so right now I think the last release that came out is this I'm at Sachin Jigar studio right now and we just they just released a song called Nani Sunna I have a little role to play mm. in that song and yeah. um 
apart from that there are some big film releases i'm just going to leave it at that because i think it's more fun when the songs release and i'm super psyched about some of them um all of them actually i mean the ones that uh-huh. i know that are really yeah <laughs> um, apart from that i am working on a lot more singles i released a single called jhale kale last year oh i loved so, that that was so nice thank you. very very nice song i really like thank that thank you so much and i really <laughs> thank you and i want to do more songs like that because those, that was a song that i co-composed with a friend and i really want to compose more um originals and put them out as well because that's important to me as an artist and yeah. i hope that You know, one soon. I hope that I can do a concert with only my songs. <laughs> that's, oh, that's you, will. <laughs> you will! You will! Hundred percent. I know this. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully in London in person. <laughs> yes. Oh, I would love that. I know. I'll go definitely be there. <laughs> Yay! Thank you. I want audience. Yay! <laughs> awesome. Listen, so I'm going to thank, thank you. Thank you so much. We really Thanks look forward so to hearing all your songs. Keep them coming. Just keep keep the music coming. Yes. Thank you so <laughs> Thank much. You. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Bye. 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 Listen to our Bollywood Queen Anushka Aurora from 12 noon to 4 p.m. weekdays on Sunrise. This weekend breakfast on Sunrise Radio with me, Amit Shana, waking you up this Easter Sunday here in the UK at least. But over in Mumbai, it is almost kind of the middle of the day there, and I have been fortunate enough to disturb a young lady who has got a brand new single out produced by Rishi Rich called Galat Hogya. It features Mumsy Stranger Yashna Verkar and inimitable Sukriti Kakar, who joins me on the line now. Good morning. Well, I should say good lunchtime to Hi. you. <laughs> Hi, that was such a special moment. Thank you so much. It's an absolute pleasure. Now, when I spoke to you briefly last night, you said you might be in rehearsals this morning, which is why uh, we couldn't do an Insta yeah. live. But can I ask what you might yeah. be rehearsing for? I'm actually at a dance rehearsal, and I'm rehearsing for my next single, which is which we're going to be shooting super soon. So I mean, yeah, that's what I'm at. That's it. So constant back to back recording, then going straight into the studio, learning dances, shooting videos. It's pretty busy, huh? It is going. Uh, I mean, like super, super happy with the way the year has turned out so far. I've had like three releases, and it's March, and uh, the next song is ready. Also, uh, we just have to shoot it this month sometime. You know, whenever we can because of all the guidelines stuff. Of course. But yeah, super excited and super grateful. Well, let's talk about Galatogia because I know a little birdie. Well, apart from the fact that I'm very close friends with Rishi, this is a song <laughs> that you recorded quite some time ago, right? Yeah, that is true. Actually, I think um, I did do a little Insta live yesterday, and we just all put it. I figured that you know this is a song that we were working on um, since 2017 and in 2018 beginning. Wow! So, I mean that's when the song had actually come around mm-hmm. and. You know, we've had it in our playlist for so long, and I'm just so happy everybody now can hear it. It's finally everybody else's. Um, it's been an amazing experience working with Dishi, and he's just so amazing. I've learned so much, uh, you know, from him over the years, and uh, we always spoke about when Galat is actually going to go out, and uh-huh. then we thought about shooting over there, which we might later. But then, you know. Um, 
just just a few weeks ago, he was just kind of like getting the song out. We have Mumsy on the song, yeah, uh, whose music also I love, and uh, you know, it just ended up being a collaboration with him also, and uh, Yash, and yeah, very excited. Hope you guys love the song. That was my next question because this, I mean, Break the Noise has been quite um, uh, progressive in the last twelve months during a lockdown to have released song yeah. after song after song. This one doesn't have any yeah. visuals accompanying it. Is that a schedule thing? Yeah. Is it something that's planned? Actually, we were all convinced about the fact that the song needs to come out, and you know, I think that was uh, the main thing. And obviously, the things haven't been so great in Mumbai and everywhere else. So, taking all the time out and with the COVID guidelines and everything, it's just we might get into a lockdown also right now at this point. So mm. we don't know. Uh, but you know, we are super convinced about the fact that good music is good music, and everybody's kind of having parties at home now. <laughs> so uh, we're going to give you a song, and we're going to give you a dance song, and you can, you know, just play it and stream it, and have a little streaming party at home and have fun. If there's one so city, that, that was a thought. If there's one city <laughs> in the world that I know people have parties in their homes is Mumbai. I, I know I've spent some time <laughs> out there. They're probably the greatest house parties I've ever been to. Now, Sukriti, let's talk a little yeah. bit about you because obviously you are one half of a. Uh, dynamic twin yeah. duo, right? Obviously, you and your sister, uh, Pakriti. Yeah. I've always wanted to ask you this question. How does it work between the two of you when it comes to solo projects? Because obviously you've worked together quite extensively. You've grown up together. You're yeah. twins. Your older sister is a singer. Yeah. Your mom comes from a musical background. But what happens when, yeah. say, for example, Rishi approaches you and not your sister? How does that dynamic work? <laughs> So actually, you know, the whole time, uh, all our lives actually, when we started out, obviously, you know, we were the girls who were in the same school, same mm-hmm. college, same class and all of that. But after the point when we both decided that we want to really pursue thinking as a professional thing and we really want to get into it, uh, the only way we could have a career is solo because uh, primarily, you know, at that time when we started, I think it's about 2015, 14, uh, to be a singer in Bombay would require you to sing in a movie where mm-hmm. there's one actress and, mm-hmm. you know, you have to work solo. So for the longest time, I think until 2019, 20 almost, mm-hmm. um, before we started doing our music videos, we've actually just had solo careers. Right. And I've had my set of playback songs, she's had her set of playback songs, I've had my set of actresses that I've sung for, and same for her. Um, but the confusing part used to be that we gig together and we do our shows together and, mm. you know, everybody would ask us, but where is the song you guys just sung together? What yeah. about that? And that's when we actually just started, uh, you know, thinking about doing stuff together, making music together, songwriting. Um, and also there are times when, uh, you know, I do shows with some different artists. Uh-huh. Like I've been I've been touring US, UK, a couple of other places with Celine Suleiman, mm-hmm. uh, with Shankar Sanloy. So there are some other artists that she tours with. So, yes, I, I just met Rishi for a movie project, actually, for the first time. Um, this is the Titan track of Mubarakah starring Akshay Kumar and yep. Ileana and Asiya Shetty and uh, um, Arjun Kapoor, yes. I just played that <laughs> song as well. I played that song back to back with Gargi Chul and I mean, look, what a period of time oh. to be part of, right? Because I mean, that Gargi Chul was one of the biggest songs of that year yeah. and it continues to do so. Mubarakah, the title track, again, another dance floor thinner, like you said, you know, Anil Kapoor, you had Badshah on the track, you got Rishi, you had you, that was, yes. a, I mean, what an yes. amazing, interesting couple of years it's been. The what? first time and then, you know, after that, I started meeting him more often and going over to his studio and jamming and Galat actually came from a place like that. Right. So, I mean, I think three, four months after that, we were just jamming in the studio and making, like, trying out different ideas and concepts. And 
That's when I got Oh, fantastic. All right, well, listen, Sukriti, I can't let you go without being on my breakfast show and having Jai with Jana because my, my little thing is called <laughs> Jai with Jana. So I'm going to do a quick fire round with you. I've got... Now, listen, don't get scared of this number. I've got 250 questions in front of me. You have to pick a few numbers and I'm just going to ask you whatever the question is in that list. Are you ready? Uh, oh, my God. I've never played anything even remotely close to this. So, yeah. Very, okay. Very, so, yeah, any number good. between 1 and 250, go. Any number? Yep. Okay. Uh, 125. 125. <laughs> All right. Hold on. I have to scroll down for that one. Here we go. 125. Favorite color. That's an easy start. There we go. Favorite color. Wow. Okay. Uh, I think white. White. Okay. Good. Pick another number. Uh, 50. 505050. Safe. On a scale of 1 to 10, how cool are you? I mean, you'd have to meet me for that and give me <laughs> feedback, right? I think I'm pretty cool, yeah. <laughs> so you're an 11, is that what you're saying? You're saying you're an 11? I mean, I'm saying I'm, 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 uh, I'm, a, I'm a nine and a half. Oh, like, that's, I, I, I can't bore you. That's, that's, ve- that's very modest of you. One more number, here we go. <laughs> Mm, okay, 12. 12, nice. One of my favourite numbers. That's my birthday, the 12th. Uh, what is your dream job? My dream job when I was really younger was actually to be a pilot. Like, I really want to fly a plane once in my life. But my dream job would definitely be what I'm doing right now. And, uh, yeah, I couldn't have it any other way. Sukrati Kakar, the Cargill girl. That would have been a whole different film. Huh? <laughs> uh, another number. Uh, number eight. Number eight, another one of my favourites. If a movie was made of your life, what genre would it be and who would play you? Oh my God. Uh, wow, I think this is a trick question, but I think uh, the genre would be definitely um, pop, musician, real, uh, like a docudrama of sorts. Nice. Um, and who would play it? Maybe I'd play it. You no, would play not? yourself. <laughs> Yeah, why not? That would make complete sense, right? Because it's a film about you. One last number, Sukriti. Yeah. One last number. Uh, okay, I'm going to go with uh, 80 because I love number 8. I'm a number 8. So, yeah, 8-0. Here we go. What is the lowest grade you have ever been given and what class was it for? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it has to be math. Like, that's a no-brainer. It has to be math. I've definitely failed in math once twice. My dad used to teach me, but yeah, I'm not a math magician for sure. Uh, Sukriti, it's been a pleasure catching up with you. Hopefully next time we will do this on Insta Live as well because yeah, it'd be nice for everyone to see you. No, no, no. Listen, we definitely have to. This time wasn't possible, but we've got to do an Insta Live. Like congratulations on the release. We're going to keep playing it here on Sunrise Radio and supporting everything you guys do out there as well. Do me a favour and just introduce the song for me. All right. The song is called Gala Sogya. Go stream it as much as you want. Show us some love and uh, tell us what you guys think about it. You can find it on all your favourite music apps. And obviously, you're hearing it on this radio as well. So, that's love. Fant- See you all soon. Fantastic. Thank you so much. It's a joy to speak to you. All the very best. Have a wonderful Sunday. Thank you so much. You too. Take care. Have a good one. All See the you. best. Bye-bye. Bye. And for a slightly different flavour, catch Amit Chana between 7am and 10am on breakfast at weekends. This is Anila Dami on Sunday. I spoke to Conservative MP Sir Desmond Swain about COVID passports and certificates and asked him how he feels about them. Here's what he said. I'm very suspicious. I have a fear that this is the thin end of a very thick wedge. 
you know, the, the proto-identity card. You know, once you start introducing a piece of uh, a, a bona fide that people have to produce to obtain certain services that carries certain important information, it's a Trojan horse for all sorts of other things that might be added to it in the future. So that's one objection. My, mm. my principal objection, however, is that this isn't normal life. We've got to get back to living a normal life and asking people to produce their bona fides as they go about their business. Show me your papers. Show me that you've been vaccinated or you've been tested recently or whatever. That is not normal life. And I don't like the element of discrimination that will occur against those who are unable to produce either a, a recent test certificate or a vaccination certificate. I just want to come to the, the your thought about normal life, because is that something people expect, particularly in the short term, if, say, for instance, the COVID passports, because we don't really know much about, you know, how long they might be used. But perhaps in the show, they might be something that does provide reassurance and that maybe people don't expect to go back to that normal life, and especially not so quickly you know there's this term that's being branded around the new normal so maybe it's it's not as expected that you know we return completely to what was normal before well that's my expectation and that's what we have been promised and that's the whole point of a vaccination program a successful vaccination program gives you the herd immunity to be able to live normally as we do with flu this is something that we're going to have for the long term it's going to be endemic now either we adapt to living with that or we make all sorts of provisions such as covid passports that you've got to produce to be able to get service goods and services now as i, I said this that it's something that you can understand at a ticketed event if you've got to show your ticket to get in somewhere is it a big deal to show your covid vaccination certificate at the same time particularly if it's conveniently held on your phone or whatever but mm -hmm. when as has been mooted you know, it needs to be produced to get into um, a pub or a restaurant or into even a shop, a non-essential shop. Then you're pr uh, imposing on ordinary life a huge new administrative burden. And I think that that is unacceptable. So, so you think that in some instances it could be used because there's, there's, so there's, a, there's a joint letter to leaders of major political parties by sports bodies backing the use of vaccine passports to allow for, you know, um, large public gatherings. But then there's this this other element to it of being used in shops, pubs, restaurants. And although the government have said, you know, in phase two and three, they definitely won't be used. We don't quite know what's going to happen after that. But there are some conditions that the government says it will be legal for such businesses businesses to ask customers for proof of COVID status if they wish, as long as they do not break equalities. The um, joint letter by sports bodies have the condition of as long as it doesn't discriminate. I mean, who would be checking whether these rules well, are being broken? Well, quite. You know, this is <laughs> exactly who is checking and how are we sure that it's not discriminatory? Aren't we imposing a huge administrative burden for those people who haven't got either and need to have a, 
a um, lateral flow test immediately and that takes half an hour. You know, what sort of administrative burden is being imposed? If you're not going to expect someone to put aside 45 minutes, an hour before getting into the theatre or to the sports ground to have a test administered there, lateral flow test administered there. Clearly, you're expecting them a few days beforehand to go along and get a PCR test at one of the testing centres in order to have the, you know, the 24 hours for that result to be delivered through the system if you're lucky and get it within 24 hours. So mm. actually, you know, when you start thinking through some of the practical implications of imposing such a system, it is going to be relatively discriminatory against those people who can't actually show that they've been vaccinated. Because showing that you've test been tested recently and tested and negative is not is going to be a non-trivial process so clearly it will be discriminatory against anyone who hasn't for whatever reason had the vaccine mm -hmm. and that's the danger if you're going to go overseas um and you want to have no problems at passport control where you've got to produce your uh where you would otherwise produce your COVID certificate, you're going to want a PCR test. Otherwise, you're going to be queuing up on the day, hoping like hell that you aren't one of the false negatives. Yeah. I because mean, there is that there is a very, you know, all right, it's 0.32% false negatives. But when you're talking about millions of tests, that's quite a lot of false negatives. I mean, I do want to come on to international travel. What do you think about these vaccine COVID passports for international travel i think that pass has been sold that is inevitable um you know i've for years traveled uh, abroad and had to produce vaccination certificates um whether it was tab or um all sorts of things now pretty well you're required to produce your um yellow fever certificate uh, if you want to get into African countries. So so that's something that others are imposing on us. And therefore, because that's going to be a requirement imposed on British citizens travelling abroad, I think it would be negligent if the British government did not provide them with a convenient means of proving it. Right. Hence, investing in uh, the mechanism for putting it on your phone or, or making easily available. In the past, I've simply carried a piece of paper in my passport, inserted into my passport. Mm -hmm. um, but I think so. I think I think there's no getting away from it. That if you want to travel seamlessly abroad, you're going to be required to produce one. It's interesting because um, your your objections uh, kind of come into check come in with checks within the UK and actually your voice joins that of the Labour leader Sir Keir Starmer who's against the idea of such checks in pubs. Um, the Lib, Lib Dem leader Sir Ed Davies accused the government of creeping authoritarianism. I wonder could this cause rebellion within Boris Johnson's own party or put him out of favour with the public? Well the public um, but certainly, uh, you know, the, 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 the pollsters tell us that the public are very much in favour of these sorts of measures. Um, and certainly yeah, that that is reflected to an extent in my mailbag. People people write, write to me saying, well, you know, uh, Mr. Ray, what, what, is, what is it you're objecting to? It's no big deal. 
actually, I think when you're confronted with the reality, as, as, as the conversation that we've had, of what it will actually mean to prove that you've got you've had a recent test or whatever, mm-hmm. or if certainly it would to extend as be, has been mooted to having to show it to get into a non-essential shop, then that actually is a big deal. Um, and I think that, yes, there is a rebellion out there and it's, it's across all the parties, you know, um, uh, the, the, the reality is that there are many people within the Conservative Party who are deeply um, anxious about the implications of this, uh, and it extends well beyond the the sixty or so members of the uh, COVID recovery group. Which leads me to the final question: that lockdown is easing more and more, and we are at, in the light at the end of the tunnel. There will be some reflections on how the government's handled the pandemic. What do you think? How do you think the government's handled it? Well, I think there have been there there have been you know singular successes, um, in the sense that uh, f- first of all the the, um, the vaccination program a, a hugely uh, successful uh, initiative. Equally, the we remember we went from zero testing capacity to testing more than the rest of Europe put together, and that again from a standing start was a tremendous achievement. Of course, what we've never been able to do is actually get people, persuade many people who were symptomatic to go and get tested. And those who actually did get tested, making sure that they did actually self-isolate. That's that's where one of the reasons, one of the, the, the places that we've fallen down. But when it comes to a great review of uh, how we, the lessons we need to learn, um, what I what I'm worried about is the wrong lesson being drawn, uh, because invariably there's there's a, hu- a huge movement out there that you know you had so many deaths because you didn't lock down fast enough and hard enough, mm. and I think that that is the wrong lesson. I from the start have been opposed to lockdowns. Lockdowns, in my view, kick the can down the road. They suppress but, but, but the, that was following the science. That's what. Uh, in, I, yeah, the science is divided. I think this is a great myth. The notion that there's one scientific but, but the science, but the science advising the government. Exactly, and that's the problem. One of the problems has always been, in my view, the lack of a competitive set of. Um, a scientific advice. So the government is advised effectively by this committee, by SAGE, when there were other equally eminent scientific voices out there criticising that. And the difficulty for the government is always been, it's the difficulty that I face, that when you're presented with a case by an eminent scientist and saying, look, it's like this, and you've got to do this, that, and the next thing, you are not actually um, equipped to ask the right questions even to ensure you know, to, to make sure that they've that they're sure about their science uh, and their but, but, but within the within the community of scientists they have also said that you know the research is ongoing new evidence is always emerging there's no one fixed um hard and fast piece of kind of rule with it it's it's ongoing and they're learning every day um, but th- does that mean that you don't trust the scientists that are advising the government? 
No, you see, I, you see, I, I think you, where, where I differ from you is that this, this, this is the science, the scientists. The scientists are no more a homogenous group of people sharing the same opinion than politicians are. You know, we all have our different points of view and our, uh, our different emphases. And my, my, my criticism is that the government has been guided by a particular uh, group of scientists and has ignored those voices that have criticised the policy. And I think we, we, the government needed a much broader source of advice. That would be one of the lessons I'd draw out of um, uh, any examination of the um, our response to the pandemic. But as I say, my fear about is that we'll get this this view that you didn't lock down hard enough or fast enough. Where actually, if you look across the world, it doesn't frankly matter much the extent to which you uh, to which different jurisdictions locked down. They all pretty well ended up with the same effectively the same shape of the curve. Just take Peru, Peru, which had the fiercest lockdown. They didn't even let men and women out on the same days. Um, and yet they have one of the highest death rates, success death rates in the world. Uh, I mean, there are other factors like population, the, the age, density, of the population, obesity, uh, all, all system, sorts of things. All of those. What, what do you think should have happened then if we weren't to lock down? Because obviously we've seen that the lockdowns work in, in reducing the R number. Um, from what we've been told and that, you know, they prevent variants from entering the country. Um, so what do you think should have happened? Well, well, lockdowns work by suppressing the disease on the basis that this is a disease that spreads by human contact. The only way to stop it is to stop human contact. It's for the politician, having received that advice, to say, well, hold on a minute. Stopping human contact comes with devastating consequences, not just for our social life, but for our economic life and all the rest. And we're going to be paying for this till kingdom come. It's for the politicians to, to decide what is the proportionate response. Now, my view is that if we take those people who've been hospitalised and those who have died, overwhelmingly, they come from clearly defined groups who are most susceptible to disease. disease. Most clearly, as a, as a matter of age, people who are elderly. And so my view is that we should have taken the time to design policies that would have incentivized those people most likely to be hospitalized to shield themselves and to provide themselves with the ability to shield themselves um, and let the rest of us get on with a normal life. This would not have been easy. It would not have been inexpensive, but it would have been a snip compared to shutting the entire economy down as we did. Now, for, there are many things, you know, that we ought to have done. For example, we ought to have marshaled at the very outset all the delivery services of the, um, uh, the, the, the supermarkets and all the rest, to serve only those customers who are were of you know particularly vulnerable groups, rather than allowing all sorts of uh, you know wealthy middle class people to continue to hog the delivery services of the the supermarkets, we could have had all sorts of initiatives. We should have got round the problem 
of encouraging people to get tested and then to self-isolate by incentivizing them to do so. We should, let me be blunt, we should have paid people to come and get tested and paid them to isolate if they were tested positive. That would, as I say, it would have been expensive, but it would have been vastly less expensive than shutting the economy down. There are all sorts of initiatives we could have taken and need to think about for the future. And you mentioned vulnerable people there. Of course, our listenership is predominantly South Asian. And we've seen during the pandemic this mistrust and distrust with, with vaccines and the healthcare system from predominantly ethnic minority groups. Do you think something needs to be done to, to gain that trust from those ethnic minority communities? Yes, and I, I think that we've got to start by finding out what the answer is. What What is the cause of that um, distrust and address that? That's clearly one of the, uh, the, the, the high priorities that must come out of this. What, I'm, what I am very impressed at is the way that uh, community leaders uh, and um, uh, role models uh, have, been, have been using their own um, authority to get that message out there that it's important to get vaccinated. And I think that that's very helpful. We need some more of that. That was Conservative MP Sir Desmond Swain speaking to me. Tune in every Sunday, 10am to 12 noon, for Anila Dami on Sunday, giving the British Asian community a voice on the matters of the day. time for the couples challenge let's do this it's time for the couples game how well do you know your partner hello hello right i have got debbie and james on the phone how are you guys doing Hello, Hello. How are you? <laughs> very well. Now, I have to admit, Devi and James are friends of mine. We go way, way, way back, like many, many, many years. Like we're talking centuries. Uh, no, not quite, not quite. But anyway, <laughs> how are you guys doing this Sunday evening? We're very good. James very apparently was. About this. Oh, good. I'm glad. I think James was a tiny tid, tid bit nervous. Uh, but listen, <laughs> you're going to be you're going to be glad you took part in this, right? So just to quickly reiterate how this works is very simple. Uh, basically, what I do is one of you will be leaving the room while I ask the other one five questions. Once those five questions are done, we call the person who left the room back in, and they get asked the same five questions, and they have to guess what their partner answered. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Before we do that, actually, before we do anything, in fact, I should have said this first, but tell everyone who you are, where you guys are from, and how long have you been married? Okay. How long have you been together, actually, even? Uh, we've been together 15 years. Um, been married 12 years. No, 11 years. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Tess, that was your first question. No, no, no. I'm just <laughs> oh, oh, I lost. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. And where are you guys based? Uh, we're in Croydon. Lovely, lovely part of London. Uh, but anyway, listen, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on, uh, on the show. Uh, but of course, I have to ask the all-important question right now. Who's going to be doing the initial answering and who's going to be doing the guessing? I'll, I'll be doing the guessing, so I'll go out the room in a sec. <laughs> Are you sure, James? You're a brave man. Um, <laughs> and uh, just in, just out of curiosity, Debbie, do you have a forfeit in mind if he gets like a really bad score? Oh, yeah, I've been thinking of this. <laughs> 
What is it? What is it? What's the forfeit going to be? <laughs> he has to buy me a big crate of chocolate fingers. <laughs> love it. I love it. All right. With, without without further ado, James, leave the room and be sure that you can't hear us. Okay. Get off the way. Okay. <laughs> All right. Cool. Uh, Debbie, let me know when he's out of the room and that he can't hear you. All right, he's gone. <laughs> All right, perfect. We're going to do this now. Are you ready as well? Are you ready for these? I'm ready. Okay, cool. Question number one, Devi. Uh, first question is, what is your favourite naughty snack? And I have a feeling you may have alluded to this already, but tell me anyway. <laughs> Chocolate fingers. <laughs> you kind of gave this away a little bit, but that's, that's actually fine. Let's let's just double check, just to be sure, right, that he does say that. Okay, so uh, chocolate fingers, right? Okay, cool. A good choice. Good choice. Um, now, second question is, who is your favourite uh, music artist or perhaps even a favourite song of yours? Uh, I love Mariah Carey. Ooh, good choice. <laughs> All right, no worries. Let's see if he gets that right. <laughs> Question number three. What is one thing that is on your bucket list? Uh, I would like to drive a fully loaded vehicle transporter um, on an empty motorway. <laughs> uh, uh, hang on. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Say that again. You would love to. <laughs> I would love to drive a fully loaded vehicle transporter. You know those vehicles that have like 10 cars on them? Yeah. And I would like to just drive it down an empty motorway. Oh my goodness, that's that's probably one of the most random thing on a bucket list I've ever heard in my life. Um, I don't think I'll ever get to do it. Oh, uh, but that's that's quite. Co- I mean, like that's just so unique. I, I mean, listen, I I could be doing this show for another thirty, forty years, right? And I don't think I'm ever going to hear anything quite like that again. So, I love that. I love that. Okay, cool. Question number number four. What was that? The best holiday destination that you both have been. on. Uh, I would say Jamaica. It was so much fun and we were all together, me, my son and James. Nice, Jamaica. Never been, uh, but I would love to go one day as well. Cool question. That was question four. And the last but not least, okay? Uh, Your Uh favourite film of all time? Oh, Edward Scissorhands. Really? Okay. Yeah, uh-huh. I love that film. <laughs> all right. Okay. Cool. I like that. Uh, very. Again, very different. Not one I would have probably come across, but that's all good. <laughs> all right. You've done it. That was that was quite cool. painless. Let's get. Let's see. Let's, let's get James in. Let the pain begin. Right. Get him back in okay. the room. Let me just wave a Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the couples challenge. Just waiting for uh, James, the husband, to come back in and uh, to see how well he does at this. I'm back. James is here. How you doing, James? All right. Am I going to get any of these, right? (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what? I have a feeling you're going to get at least two or three, if not four out of these, right? Okay, cool. So, but um, uh, do you want to say anything about you before we get, before we do this? Uh... No. <laughs> <laughs> Man of many words. Right, okay. <laughs> I love it. It's okay. Um, don't worry. It's fine. We know Debbie's going to do all the talking for you too anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> Shh, don't tell her I said that. No, um, question number one I asked Debbie. I said to her, what was her, what is her favourite naughty go-to snack? Well, she kind of gave one of them away with the chocolate fingers comment before. But, um, it's a difficult one. It's definitely chocolate. Um, but the other one she really likes is uh, Ferrero Rocher. Oh. But, but <laughs> I'll, go with, um, I'll go with Ferrero Rocher. Okay, cool. So you, out of those two, you're going to go with Ferrero Rocher, yeah? 
Yeah. All right. No worries. Question number. Obviously, we'll tell you the score at the end. Yeah. Uh, right, question yeah. number two. I asked Devi what is her favorite song or her favorite music artist. Who or what song oh, do you okay. think she said? Well, her favorite artist is definitely uh, Mariah Carey. Uh huh. Um, but her favorite song um, is um, Heaven by DJ Sammy. Oh, what a good choice as well! All right, cool. I'll tell you what. To make it a bit easier, I'm going to note both of the, both of those down. So if you get either one of those right, then you get the full point. Okay. Okay. Question yeah. number three. Um, say one thing. I asked. Sorry, I beg your pardon. I asked Debbie. I said, say one thing that's on your bucket list. And what do you think she said? And I have to say, by the way, just to warn you, she gave them one of the most weirdest answers I think I will ever hear in my entire life. Uh, in that case, I know exactly what it is. Um, right. So she's always wanted to drive um, on those, you know, uh, vehicle transporter uh-huh. um, that's got um, loads of brand new cars on it, um, and if possible, down a motorway that's completely empty. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. I think you could tell my laugh, laughter whether that was right or wrong. But anyway, we'll come back to that. Uh, question number four. Uh, the best holiday that you both have been on? Um, I think... Um, so, um, so, it was either our honeymoon in Hawaii or uh, we went uh, to Jamaica. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go for... I'm going to say Jamaica because... Um, it was, I don't know because um, our son Dylan was there as well, so I'll take right. Jamaica. Cool, no ways, no ways. Good answer. And last but not least, um, uh, I asked Debbie her favourite film of all time. What do you think she said? Um, um, Edward Scissorhands, I would say. Edward Scissorhands. Alrighty, cool, no ways. That is all five question answered. Now, it always takes me a little while to tot up the score, so just bear with me one second. It's quite complex math, as you can probably imagine, so just bear with me. Uh, Oh, 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 James. Oh, James. Oh, James. How how well do you think you did? Um, I'm going to go for four out of five. All right, James. I've got to do my manual drum roll, as I like to do, to build up the suspense and make it sound really, really professional here on National Radio with my hand (laughs) drumming the table. Okay, here we go. You scored, my friend, four out of five. Technically, 4.5. There is a reason for that as well. Okay, cool. That's not bad, though. Well done. Well done, mate. You know, your answers are pretty spot on there. She's basically an open book. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Debbie, he's just saying you're predictable. <gasps> no, no, open book and predictable, two very different things. All right, so we're going to go backwards, uh, James, right? So, favorite film, okay. you got a spot on. She said Edward's is a hands. Uh, best holiday, uh, you, you said either Hawaii or Jamaica, but you went with Jamaica and you're absolutely right. That's what she said. Um, question three, <laughs> Nuff said, yes, you're right on that one. Uh, question two. Was it a vehicle transport? Yes, it was. Which, which, it's going to be stuck in my head for quite some time. Just that mental image of just being in a transporter, driving.
bring it down an empty motorway now. I don't know why, <laughs> but it will. Um, uh, so you got that one. Question number two, uh, favourite song or music artist? And you said Mariah Carey, but you also said Heaven as well. By the way, Debbie, would you have got that right if you'd said the song? Have, yes, I did there, like that song. There you go. Very impressive. Very impressive. And oh, my screen is just locked. There we go. And last but not least, favourite naughty snack. Now, this is where it got tricky because you did say Chocolate Fingers or for a Roche, but you selected for a Roche, but she actually said Chocolate Fingers. Oh, uh, <laughs> both Ooh. are true. Oh, both. I'm sure both are true as well, but it basically says and shows that you've still got a bit of work to do, my friend, unfortunately, yeah. as well. So come, go, after today, go away, go study your wife a bit more and then come back when you've done your homework, okay, my friend? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll have to go and get some chocolate fingers. <laughs> well, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to both of you. Hope you enjoyed. See, it, was, it wasn't that painful, was it? That was good. <laughs> we had fun. Good. I'm glad as well. You may even end up on the podcast, which could drop, which uh, you could end up on the podcast, which will drop uh, on Thursday. Uh, so make sure you check that out. It could be listened to on all the major podcasting platforms. But listen, I just wanted to say, James, Devi, thank you so much for being such good sports and coming on and taking part in the Couples Challenge. You guys did absolutely brilliant. And I cannot say thank you enough. It was the oh, Couples Challenge you. with James and Devi. Catch our Love Guru Amit Soda between 7pm and 10pm every Sunday for that chill out zone.